Live from Wyndham Community and Education Centre in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to The Third Eye here at W Live on Live FM. Welcome, everyone. As we just said, you are here listening to The Third Eye live from Wyndham Community and Education Centre in Melbourne, Australia, and we are talking about family well-being. I'm your host, Rin, and here with me are my very special guests, Monica, Nuran, and Shiva. Before I kick in and introduce these lovely ladies, a quick shout out to Karan, who was going to be our guest, but unfortunately isn't able to be here with us today. So Karan, we're wishing you a very speedy recovery and thanks for listening in. We have a wealth of experience and knowledge here today. I have with us Naran, who is a member of the Baha'i community of Wyndham. Naran was born in Iran, lived in Turkey, and moved to Australia as a refugee some 37 years ago. Naran volunteered in Africa for 17 years alongside her husband, working as a high school teacher across Botswana, Zimbabwe, and Zambia. Professionally a mechanical engineer, she has two kids, five grandkids. So welcome, Naran. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We also have with us Shiva, Naran's lovely daughter. Naran was born in Melbourne. She's a local mem- she's a member of the local spiritual assembly of Baha'is of Wyndham. She moved to Africa at the tender age of seven and studied psychology in Pretoria, married a local Zimbabwean, and is working as a mother and part-time psychologist. Welcome, Shiva. Thanks for having me. We also have with us Monica. Monica moved to Australia about 22 years ago, is a proud member of the Wyndham community, founding member of Vedic Global, president of Women of Wyndham, Vice Chair, Wyndham Interfaith Network, and a member of the Victorian Multicultural Commission Advisory Board. Monica professionally is an educator and counsellor. Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much, Rin. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And I'm your host, Rin. Professionally, I'm a CPA and banker, everyone. And I am so very passionate to talk about bridging the cultural gap, bridging the generation gap, Wyndham has a large migrant population and with everyone present here today, I'm sure you would have experienced that the parenting techniques that you used for your kids, the parenting techniques that maybe your parents used on you are quite different to maybe what might work to kids growing up with a different cultural migrant background in Australia today. And I might throw to hear a bit more about this to you, Monica, talking about family well-being, talking about that cultural and generational gap. Thank you so much, Rin, for giving this opportunity uh, where I can share my views. Yes, I'm very, very passionate about family well-being. I've been helping family violence victims, as you know, for last 12 to 15 years, and You know, the first thought which comes to me is, well, as parents, what can we do so that our future generation, our children, they get right values? Because as we say, charity begins at home. 
right values also begins at home, isn't it, Nuran? Yes. Right? So I just think that, uh, you know, when parents, uh, as parents, we teach our children right values, they turn out to be not only uh, good children, but, you know, good community members, good citizens. And you can imagine that, you know, when everyone's learning right values at home, then of course the world will be such a good place for everybody. When we say, oh, after that we might get heaven, I think we can make heaven here at present. Yes, Shiva, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Right? And uh, as you introduced me, I'm part of Vedic Global as well. So Vedic Global is an organization whose belief and value is Vasudev Kutumbakam, that whole world is one family. So when we are raising our children to be good children, of course, they will take care of their fellow human beings as their family members as well. And what else you can expect, you know, in this world where everyone's happy, everyone's taking care of each other. There is peace, love and harmony. Thanks, Rain. Thank you so much for that, Monica. Some really good insight into there. When we're talking about kids, when we're talking about that next generation, we spoke to a few pillars of the community earlier this week. So... What I'd love to hear from first is we spoke with Julie Mason. Julie retired as principal at Baden Power School. It's a very proud Rotarian. And Julie, thank you so much for listening in and for at such a short notice giving us your thoughts about what we can do, what we can, you know, pass on when we're thinking about kids and values. So let's listen in to what Julie had to say grateful to be given the opportunity just to add some thoughts on some things that I really believe in very strongly in terms of young people within their family and what it takes to um, ensure that they have the right start to become the best version they can of themselves. So my background for the last 50 plus years has been in education. I'm a mother of two sons and a grand, grandmother of three boys. And I've always held the view, the old um, saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And I very much subscribed to that view within my immediate family, extended family, and within my education role on a, a daily basis. So within the education role, right from the start, I learned that it was really impo important for us uh, to have a view of working in partnership with our families for because everyone was on the same page in terms of wanting the best for the children, whether it was from the, the parents, whether the family was the traditional family or whether the family was... Um, you know, extended in a large way. Um, we all wanted the same thing for the child. I guess one of the things I've noticed, though, that's interesting over time is the changes in terms of parenting. And, and I think that's had a lot to do with um, the expectations uh, on people. And I think, um, you know, gone are the days, um, in my view anyway, where women are going to have that wonderful luxury of just staying home and being uh, the, the home parent. 
Um, most cases now, women need to uh, be going out to, to work and that changes the responsibilities within the pa- family environment. And I think that changes it in a really positive way. The thing that I've noticed most about the outcome for our young people, though, is that there's much more of a negotiated um, view from our young people. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is that they, they really like to have their say in terms of the decision-making that affects them. And it's been interesting because in education, we now have student voice as very much a function of um, what, we're, what we are aspiring to do in terms of the education of our young people, you know, right from the beginning of when they, they enter the school environment. So it's fascinating for me to watch that unfold in my own family and um, and in the school environment as well. And at different points in time, that can be a frustration um, because uh, when I was brought up um, um, a long time ago now, um, we weren't expected to have a voice at all <laughs> as a, a young person in the family. It was just do what you're told and don't ask any questions. So it's really interesting for me uh, when I'm confronted with things with my grandsons and they have a very strong view of what should happen, how it should happen, when it should happen, and I have to really think carefully about how I respond to that now. Um, And I find myself trying not to say no. I find myself saying things like, not yet, can we think about doing this first and really applying a negotiated (laughs) approach myself to what, you know, was said to me would have been do what you're told and do it now. So I think that's really a, really an interesting thing for us all to think about in terms of um, harmony in, in families, harmony in the world for our young people. We can't teach them to have a voice, have an opinion and um, how to express the opinion if their opinion differs in that moment um, when we want them to perhaps agree with what we want to do and and what we want to see happen fairly quickly. So I find that really, really interesting, uh, and I find that I'm exercising uh, that knowledge on a daily basis as um, a grandparent. One thing that I know, though, that in my humble opinion has never changed and will never change, to create that best possible environment within the family for um, the young people, and that is that sense of routine and that sense of certainty. And I think um, in many instances these days, for for a whole lot of reasons, that's becoming more problematic. Um, And I guess if you you subscribe to that notion of the village to raise the child, if it's somewhat problematic in some aspects of that child's life, but if there's certainty, predictability um, and love and kindness in uh, all other aspects, Perhaps that helps them to get through perhaps the, you know, the troubled times that are inevitable. Thanks so much for that, Julie. And guess was that not an insightful, insightful talk? It was indeed. It was, yes. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Third Eye here at WLive on Live FM, live from Wyndham Community and Education Centre in Melbourne, Australia. You're with your host, Rin, and special guests, Naran, Monica, and Shiva. And Shiva, I might pass over to you because Julie made some really interesting points about how the role of women in the family has 
changed, you know, even in her lifetime. And being a mother, working full time, I would just love to hear your thoughts on family well-being and a couple of those points Julie mentioned. Mm, so many great points she raised. And one that really stands out to me is how she mentions that children shouldn't be peripheral to our lives. They're not meant to stand on the side and be quiet while we get on with more important things. In fact, when it comes to the progress of our society, they are front and center. We need to center all our energies around them, around nurturing them, because they are the future generation. Um, in reference to this, the, 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 I think it's important also to see one of the, the Baha'i teachings is that science and religion, in fact, go hand in hand. Um, and so we see a lot of things in many of the religion's holy writings that speak to this. For example, in the Baha'i writings, it says to mothers, uh, speaking directly to mothers, um, Abdul Baha says, O ye loving mothers, Know ye that in God's sight, the best of all ways to worship him is to educate the children and train them in all the perfections of humankind. And no nobler deed than this can be imagined. Children and humans are, are referred to as being a mine rich in gems of inestimable value and that education can alone cause it to reveal its treasures and to enable mankind to benefit therefrom. It's the role of mothers and fathers, families, the community of helping to mine these gems within children and youth so that they can grow to use these for the betterment of humanity. Beautiful. That is beautiful, Shiva, and thank you so much for sharing that. Naran, well done. I must say, I must commend you. And I would love to hear from you. You've raised such a, you know, knowledgeable and articulate daughter. And I'm sure you have more gems of wisdom to give to us when we think about values and how to pass them on to the next generation. Um, thank you. I uh, really want, first of all, to introduce ourselves as not a speaker, as two mothers and two daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Just happened by accident that we are two mothers and two um, uh, daughters. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would like to talk about the importance of teaching um, uh, values to our children, spiritual education to our children. And I would like to share a, a, a little part of the Baha'i writing about the importance of that, that uh, the family being human is a human unit, must be educated according to the rules of sanctity. All the virtues must be taught the family. Is very important. I, being a um, teacher, maths teacher, I always uh, taught to um, make my student visualize the problem. So, uh, and then I'm going to start doing it uh, with this uh, topic. Um, if you imagine we put a little uh, seed in the soil, that little seed needs three things. It needs nourishment from the soil, it needs uh, water from the rain, and it needs light from the sun. Without uh, lacking one of them, 
is uh, going to prevent that seed to reach its utmost uh, capacity, especially, especially the uh, sunlight. Mm. If you keep some uh, seeds uh, in the soil, water them, but keep them inside, you will see that slowly, slowly that plant start to become yellow and sad and that slowly, slowly die. So I'm going to take you back to the human. A child um, needs three things, three education. One of them is... Um, Physical education, that means need nourishment, need uh, having a safe house, having a clean house, and feel uh, happy in that house. That is a physical education. And need um, uh, mental education, that means we need to send our children uh, to learn about sciences, to, uh, to learn, learn about arts, and all kind of knowledge. And most importantly, this is the, uh, the, the mental education is the rain, but most importantly is moral education, to teach them virtues, and that is the sunlight for them. Beautiful. Mm. That's right. If that... Uh, in Baha'i writing, we were told that, that uh, if a child is uh, uh, not having a too high uh, standard of uh, um, technical knowledge, but is humble, is loving, is kind to others, that is much more preferable. That child would be benefit to herself and also to society. But if a person is uh, well educated, but it's selfish, yes. it's uh, hateful, mm -hmm. uh, that will be harm himself mm -hmm. and also the community. So that is how important is uh, spiritual education of our children. Yeah, absolutely. And it ties back to what we started off with, what Monica said about family well-being. When we talk about that, we talk about raising responsible citizens. We talk about, you know, raising people with the right moral values so that they are kind to one another. Because if you've got a positive family atmosphere, that family well-being, they go on to influence so many other people. And unfortunately, when we talk about family well-being, there is a I would say a scourge across Australia and the world even when we talk about family violence. Unfortunately, there's been even this year a number of incidents that we've heard about. And when we think about family violence, we think about prevention, how it can be stopped right at the root. So talking about passing on the right values to our kids, talking about what we can do, you know, in that aspect I want to actually really thank Michael Lapina. Uh, and Michael, thank you. I know it was very short notice. Michael is an opera singer. He's a very passionate Rotarian and is really, really passionate about assisting victims of violence and helping them reestablish their lives and thrive um, post coming out of that phase of their lives. So let's listen in to what Michael has to say. And we might have a bit more of a discussion after sure. that. Hi, Monica, and thank you so much for allowing me to share my thoughts and views around uh, 
avoiding and preventing family domestic violence. Addressing family violence and its root cause is a complex issue. So many factors need to be considered and can't be addressed by just looking at individual interventions. Rather, it needs to be seen as a complex system where all components need to be looked at in conjunction with the other components. For instance, you just can't look at the mental health of a person causing the violence without addressing the external environment that could trigger their responses. Although providing better education to young girls and women may help them with being able to make better decisions to avoid being victims of domestic violence, it still doesn't address the root cause that allows the perpetrators of such violence to even act on those impulses that hurt others. What I do believe in, though, is that the root cause of most, if not all, family domestic violence derives from an individual's need to feel some sort of power or dominance over someone else. And when that power is challenged, the individual feels a need to exert that, that dominance even more. So the challenge to this power could be internal to the individual, for instance, their own inability to regulate their own emotions. Um, it could come from, the challenge could come from their own family. Uh, for instance, the partner of the, or a family member could be experiencing more success than the individual and therefore challenging that person's self-worth, causing them to lash out by trying to diminish the success of the other person. Or it could even come from external. For instance, um, there may be incidences within society. You know, it could be in the workplace. Uh, a, a, a boss tells the person off and therefore that person feels diminished. Um, they could be experiencing road rage or, or um, being on the receiving end of road rage. And so their stress levels um, increase. And so they need to exert that stress onto someone else. Or it could be in the shops, just, you know, someone looks at them in the wrong way and then they it, it triggers them where their own ego and perception of self-worth was challenged. So all of these factors, albeit it's not an exhaustive list of factors, all of these factors could contribute to a person wanting to lash out through domestic violence on the people that they live with. So to tackle domestic violence, we need to help people realise that power and dominance over other people is just not acceptable. And that needs to happen early in their lives. That needs to be established through um, an education that our teachers provide to the students in school. Help the parents understand that that's the, the lifestyle or the, the um, social norms that need to be um, instilled within our children at a young age, that lashing out is not acceptable. Um, uh, exerting violent, uh, dominance over other people is not acceptable. So, look, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many ways that this could be achieved, but it needs to be done in parallel with so many other interventions. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to give you the answers uh, within this four-minute um, conversation or four-minute um, chat, a couple of minutes chat, but Look, uh, hopefully this has helped you out and uh, thank you again for giving me the opportunity to at least, at least express a little. Thank you so much, Michael. 
some great, great insight there from him. And Michael, thank you. I know it was very short notice, so thank you for that. For anyone just tuning in, you are listening to The Third Eye here at WLive on Live FM, live from Wyndham Community and Education Centre in Melbourne, Australia. Talking about family well-being, I'm your host, Rin, here with my special guests, Monica, Naran and Shiva. So Michael made some really good points there around with even just children, with people, what you can do around making sure that you're not dominating another person, making sure that you're not feeding off some rage or annoyance that you're feeling. And Shiva, before I pass on to you, Monica, you're a counsellor, you're an educator, you were actually on the working group when they were looking at rolling out the Respectful Relations Curriculum in Victoria. And I want to hear a few of your thoughts around this. Yes, Rin, you're right. And Michael, the way he has expressed it's really good. He has said that, yes, there is a problem, uh, which of course affects our community, our nation, because uh, whether we talk about it mentally, emotionally, psychologically, socially, and even economically, it affects a lot. So the resources we, you know, uh, dedicate towards helping family violence victims, if everyone's happy, those resources can be actually used in developing so many other things like infrastructure, etc. That's one aspect of it. And also Michael said that he doesn't have too much time to give us the solution. So what happened, as I mentioned before, uh, 10, 15 years before I started helping family violence victims, and I also like to talk to the other party as well to see where is the problem. And that's where I actually uh, became keen to become a counselor as well. And I noticed that we human beings are getting carried away in materialistic world. We are moving away from spirituality. And that's where I thought Vedic Global will be a very good initiative to teach our children some Vedic values. So the way Michael said people get angry, they get agitated, they forget about being calm, composed, and Vedic values of meditation, uh, of prayers, of respecting each other, respecting nature, they actually makes you a more humble person, kind person, tolerant person, rather than, you know, reacting straight away. I've been practicing yoga and meditation myself for last 30 years. And uh, I know people around me, they notice it and they say, you're very calm. You, my students in school, they say, Miss, how come you never get angry? You never raise your voice. I think I can uh, say easily that I have practiced it, learned it. And if we teach our young generation Vedic values of meditation, yoga, prayers, respecting the nature, respecting each other, and as I mentioned before, Vasudev Kutumbukam. Consider whole world as your family. I guess this world is going to be a much better place to live, isn't it? Yeah. That's lovely. Thank that you. Lovely. And I know myself, I'm a very action-oriented person. I love to, once I've listened to something, come away with a few nuggets of gold that I can actually <laughs> use. And Shiva, we were talking earlier 
I would love to hear from you, you know, as a working mum, what are some strategies that parents can use? What, what you know, can you do to ensure that your kids actually learn the right values and behaviours? Yeah, Brenda, it's such a great question. But before I get into that, I can't help but notice how, Monica, the things that you're saying about the Vedic values are so beautiful. And it really touches my heart that, you know, the values you're speaking of, the values we speak of as Baha'is, the values that a lot of other people from other religions speak of are the same. Exactly. And so surely they must come from the same source and surely we are all equal then and should mm. simply love each other. But that brings us back then to, to your question, Rin, of strategies. And I think it helps to understand and conceptualize things in a certain way. For ex And we come back to how religion and science in fact go hand in hand. Science is telling us now, psychological theory is telling us now that things like positive reinforcement, positive parenting, positive modeling, that these are the things we need to be turning to rather than harsh discipline and, and punishment. Those simply do not work and they break down the character of a child. We need to build them up. We need to mine their inner gems. And also, I think it's important to see one of the one of the wonderful things about um, what the Baha'i faith tells us is the family is a microcosm of the world. It's a small example of the world. In a world ravaged by war and disunity, is it any wonder that our families are also ravaged by family violence? It's a reflection of the world. So when we look at the news and we see things going on in the world like war and we feel helpless and powerless, it can make us negative. But if we can simply turn to our own families, we'll notice that we have, in fact, a lot more control over what's happening. If we can be positive with our children, if we can be positive with our, our partners, our husbands and our wives, this will over the generations to come, create huge positive impacts across the globe. It will ripple out. So each time we see something on the news that makes us sad or upset, make a pact with yourself to be kinder to your child. Make a pact to yourself to be kinder to your wife or your husband, and you will be contributing towards change by doing that. So I think, we, we again, this is where science and religion goes hand in hand. We are told that we need to, as parents, model how we want our child to be. To hurt a child because he's hurting another child is fruitless. This does not work. We are to be kind to them, to be gentle with them. And in doing so, they will grow up kind. They will grow up gentle too. Maybe not initially. A two-year-old is going to hit. He's going to get upset. We need to understand that their brains are still developing. But once they are adults, the way that you were as a parent will frame how they will be as an adult too. Beautiful. Thank Very you nice. so much for that, Shiva. Okay. I was going to add something. Um, uh, I want to think of ourselves as a global being, not an individual. So uh, although we have to work on our own family, but we have to think about humanity as a whole. So if we have some nice solution, if we have some um, resources, we should share with other people and then uh, b b 
take care of all humanity as yes. a whole. And one thing I just wanted to share uh, the other day I was taking care of a babysitting. Uh, she was uh, three years old <laughs> and um, he was uh, playing with his dolls and then he was upset of something and then hit one of the dolls or one of the teddies. And then um, his father said, uh, Rohan, would you like to practice your kindness? And then immediately he took the teddy <laughs> and he hugged it. So, so simple, simple things that we need to, that to keep in our mind. And children are so receptive. They are like a dry sponge. As soon as a drop comes, they will get it. Instilling the right values, right? Yeah, that is lovely. Beautiful, Naran. Thank you. Now we're, we're nearing the end of our segment here today, everyone. And before we go into that, I just want to check in with my three fabulous <laughs> guests here and see if there's any closing remarks, if there's anything that we might have missed out on. We've spoken about a few key things today about treating the world as you would your family, looking at how you can instill the right values in your kids because they are like sponges. So focusing on the right values of kindness, of being respectful, of being a responsible citizen so then they can go out and spread that kindness in the world. So my lovely guests, um, any closing comments, any remarks that I might have missed out on or you want to share? I think for me it always comes back to the equality of men and women and if we could respect each other and, and see each other as um, intimate friends here to be concerned with the welfare of each other but to also help each other's progress, our children will see this and they will internalize that way of being with each other too. And they will grow for, with my two boys, they will hopefully grow to respect women and to love and be kind to all people, men and women. So this is what we're wanting to do is to change ourselves and to be the best models we can possibly be to our children and those around us. Too true, too true. So Naran, I know when we were speaking earlier, you mentioned that there was a really lovely Baha'i prayer. And before we close yeah. off, I would love to hear that from you. Okay. Uh, that is uh, what uh, when I'm giving leave to my uh, grandsons to school in the morning, I just uh, say, okay, let's pray together uh, just to, as we talk, to bring a little bit of sunshine into their life. And uh, we chant it. So I'm going to chant it. You know? We say... <clears throat> Oh God, guide me, protect me, illumine the lamp of my heart, and make me a brilliant star, thou the mighty and powerful. Beautiful, Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And with this, I would like to say yes, we are, uh, you know, trying to uh, inculcate right values in our children. Uh, one of the very important values is 
make them good volunteers right from the beginning that's right you know so that mm-hmm. they learn they appreciate what they have and also they want to share their time energy positive energy as you said shiva and resources with the wider world as well there are many many opportunities of volunteers uh, they can take and we are very blessed to be part of windham family we are very blessed to be part of windham interfaith, interfaith network family yes. and uh, we can go on windham council website there are lots of volunteer opportunities there and if you want to get connected with vedic global family you can always go vedicglobal.org and be connected with us as well thank you so much thank you that's all we have time today thank you so much to our guests monica noran and shiva you have been listening to the third eye here on w live on live fm i'm your host rin thank you all for joining us today and we hope you found the information today useful and we hope that you've got some nuggets of gold that you can take away and pass on until next time have a great day thank you rin thank you <laughs> oh. Live from Wyndham Community and Education Centre in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to The Third Eye here at WLive on Live FM.